This episode of the Schick and Nick podcast and the ensuing interview with Trev Alberts is brought to you by The Beanery. Locations in Ashland, Gretna, and Papillion. Paul and the gang have everything you need. All of their hot drinks can be made iced or frozen. They've got smoothies, mochas, cappuccinos, lattes, and everything in between. It's The Beanery. Support those who support us. The Beanery, serving people coffee. Might that topic be revisited? You know, it's a really good question, and I've thought a lot about that. I've been asked that a couple times. He has been asked that a couple of times, has he not? There's no doubt, Matt. There's no doubt. There's, uh, there's. Do, do we want to give the rundown right away of what we're going to do? Because I think it's pretty obvious what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Giannis. We're going to talk about Creighton losing to Wichita State in the tournament. And that's about it. We might squeeze in a little bit of golf at the end, but other than that, no big news on uh, on the Nebraska front, huh? Nothing to discuss. Nothing to discuss. That's about it. We'll get in and out, and it'll be done, and we will let you go about your merry way. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting week. By the way, so let's just set the groundwork of what we're going to do here today. Uh, we will have an interview with Trev Alberts, and you heard him in the open there. Trev Alberts was always a guy that when we hosted our show, we could always count on him to salute our questions. Could we not? Of like course. That was, always, that was always a huge, huge deal. He is very gracious with, with handing out, man, that's a good question, and man, that's a, that's a really good question. He is, he is one of the more gracious guests to have in that regard. Like, some guests are a little intimidating, right? Like you, you uh, queue up and you question these, <laughs> and your question is, or queue up one Pete Rose. You know how to hold a bat? You hold a bat by its wings. <laughs> that's, that's a good line. He didn't get it. He didn't no. get it. Everybody's a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> still good. But Trev, Trev is – so, like, I left my confidence as a human being, as a radio host, as an interviewer, decreased after talking to Bill Cosby and Pete Rose. When you, when you interview Trev, your confidence increases because he's handing out great questions like it's candy on Halloween. It's uh, It always makes you feel good. He makes you feel good after you leave the interview. Uh, I interviewed him the day after he was introduced for Sirius XM on the Big Ten channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, my co-host, uh, Anthony Heron, couldn't make it. So it was just Trev and me and Love Makes Three. Okay. Oh, let's oh. The thing that, I mean, the Sirius XM channel is near Yacht Rock Radio. So your boy be going back and forth between Chicken Trev and Steely Dan. <laughs> we got you covered all the bases all the sports okay. thank you Very Rudy good. 
So we, we will get to the Trev Alberts interview, and um, we'll see. We'll see if he believes there were some good questions. <laughs> Before we go any further, though, with that and with Trev Alberts and our opinions on Trev mm-hmm. uh, and the hire mm-hmm. and everything, you jokingly said you wanted to talk about the Creighton, the Blue Crew, right? Yeah. The Blue Crew. Uh, it was the basketball tournament. It was played in Wichita. Wichita was the two seed. That place was rocking. It was. Right? I mean, that's like a road game. Cue up Taylor Martinez. It... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, Taylor Martinez unaffiliated with Creighton, but was asked pregame how he felt about the <laughs> Omaha, the Blue Crew's chances, and he said, "I like playing against road games." <laughs> Is that oh, one of the greatest all-time sound bites from Tater Martinez? Isn't that amazing? Tater Martinez. I like playing against road games. I like playing against road games. Triple B, put it on a t-shirt. I like playing against road games. Oh. The fact that it's not already a t-shirt is oh, that's No, but it was, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, the name the basketball tournament is really confusing to explain to people that aren't familiar with the basketball tournament. Like when I was telling my Correct. dad, I'm like, you know, Creighton's playing, they're playing in the basketball tournament. He's like, oh, really? Which tournament? I'm like, the basketball tournament. And he's like, I mean, you could tell. He's like, what? I'm like, it's called, it's, it's called the tournament. That's like if you opened up a bar called that one place. <laughs> you want to meet up at that one place? Yeah, which one? That one place. That one place. You know the one. Yeah, why don't you just tell me, you idiot? No, we're going to meet up at that one place. All but, right. yeah, your boy was watching that. I watched both games start to finish, and I, I was into it. I was, I, was, I was really into it. Creighton should have won the game. They were All they needed was a bucket. They essentially had three possessions to yeah. play with. Right. and They had their was, chances. Right. They, they had, they had their the chances. A couple of comments I want to make. One is, Connor Frankamp looks like he's 60. Okay. What what's going on with his hair? I don't know what happened. Kansas to Wichita State to retirement home <laughs> and they wheeled him out and he played and he played well. What okay. he, what he, he looks like a fan you would see at a Phoenix Suns game who's old but still trying to look young so he's like bleached his hair. He's doing everything he can to comb over, to yeah. comb over all the bald spots. Connor Frankamp Retired at age twenty-five. Right? Is there an a- is there an AARP show you want Mark Jackson to host here? You're listening to the Golden Girls Radio Show, hosted by Mark Jackson. Okay. Mama, there goes that Blanche. <laughs> That's good. That was that was impressive that you just pulled that off. Did you hear? First of all, I love. You know, Jordan Cornette, Fran Fraschilla doing the games. Oh, yeah. Fraschilla, did you hear him get after Connor Frankamp late in the game? Because there's a lot of chirping, right? Right. Frankamp goes up late for a bucket, gets the bucket, and he goes to the official as he's running back down the floor like like this. Yeah. And I guess he was whining the whole game. And at some point, Fran even said, Wichita State's been whining the whole game. They've got 5,000 fans here. Right. right, They don't need it. And then, listen, after Fran Kemp makes this bucket and winds to the ref, listen to Fran. 
This is what makes the basketball tournament so great is you'd never hear this in an NCAA game. Fran does this. Fran Camp has been the story here in the Elam ending. Flips it up and through. He's got every point scored for the aftershocks here in the Elam ending. But he's got to shut the hell up and play basketball. Is that, that not was, great? That was great. That was like you can't say that it, in the regular seat. You know, doing a normal game, you can't say that. Well, when they're in school, they're student athletes. These are old men, right? Or right. these are graduated. They're not old. I mean, they're, sometimes they're a year out of school, but they're graduated. They're not students anymore, right? They are on their own. They're paying their own way, and frankly, they're fair game to be told this from Fran Frischilla. But he's got to shut the hell up and play basketball. He's looking for every call that's not going to be called. <laughs> amazing. Great. Is it not amazing? So good. I love it. It was Emma. a little unfortunate. It was yeah. un- it's it's a little weird. And and you know you make it work that uh, like the Creighton alumni team, the guys that scored all the points did not play for Creighton. You know what I mean? Like, that was a little unfortunate. Devereal Biggs came up big in the first game. Then Gilder, you know, Greg Smith mm. was out there doing his thing for that yick and wang, I think is what exactly was. He 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 was getting paid in chicken wangs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's entirely accurate about uh, that. <laughs> but, yeah. Deverell Biggs, yeah, remember when he was the big deal? Like, are we going to get this guy at right. Nebraska? And then, right. Yeah, that was... Um, he was in my Tim Miles song. That's right, he was in a your... little pub about Deverell Biggs. <laughs> he stole the spring game weekend. Adios, Brian Diaz. <laughs> All these obscure names. I know. Biggs <laughs> played a year. Brian Diaz history. is like, a, oh yeah, I forgot about him, guy. Goodness. But yeah, no, it was great. I mean, yeah. uh, watching Chapman and Jahens Managa and James Milliken and Martin Crumple. I mean, it, watching my guy Josh Jones on the sideline getting his coach game right, you know. I had so many people being like, why aren't you out there playing? I'm like, I think some people don't realize that your boy is a little older, a little older than you think I am. You're listening to the What's Your Age show. hosted <laughs> by That's the dumbest show you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Each each phone calls three seconds long. I'm sorry. It's the dumbest thing so, ever. So, is there a party though? As you watch it, you go, "I wonder if." Like, do you ever go, "I wonder if I could no. get out there with like six months training?" Oh, like, I'd need right? a lot. I yeah. I mean, if I if I if I could suspend father duties <laughs> in, in all capacities and take six months, yeah, I could. I could go out there and still get it wet from beyond the arc, and you know, be smart okay. and not get now myself you- in bad situations. <laughs> call for help. Call for ball screens once I get heated up. You know, all those. Oh, you know, all the all the normal things. You know, just Nick just- Ma calling for all the ball screens, all the sports. <laughs> I would. I would lead the nation. In like Ben Gay, uh, icy hot. Like I would submerge. They would submerge me in icy hot, and then I would come out of it like the dip in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And <laughs> then, then I could maybe go play. I'd have one game in me. That's that's about it. But I did say to Kim, 
you know, in the big Uncle Rico thing, I was like, man, I wish this, they would have had this in like two, like basically during the Chicken Nick show. If they would have had this well, during the Chicken Nick show, you, you were playing, you oh, were playing yeah. some pickup over there in West Omaha. I played pickup all the time. You know, I could still, I could still get it wet, but now the only thing that's wet is my baby's diapers. You're listening to the Uncle Rico show only on sixteen twenty the zone. But no, I mean, so I, I know right now I'd go out there and just, I would tear my ACL instantly. But yeah, it was, I mean, I, I wish uh, I, I, I wish it was around back in the day. Your boy would have gone out there and done his thing back in the day. There's no doubt. No, it would have been great to see. It would have been, been great to see. It would have been good. I don't mind first to 75. I don't mind it at all. Right. I don't. Right. Do you, you like know, the, the element in, in, all, in all sincerity? I do. Yeah. I do. I don't. I, yeah, I it's mean, exciting. I, it, it, first, for people that don't know, first dead ball under four minutes to go. Whoever, whatever team is in the lead, they add eight points to that score, and then that's the target number. And then the first to get to that point, to so if if it's seventy two to seventy, it's the target score is eighty, and whoever gets there first wins the game. It's so every the end of the game, uh, you can't just kind of coast to a win you know like so many basketball games you kind of just play not to lose you're just running out the clock you're not even trying like you have to continue to try to score and it makes it's exciting I mean it's I enjoy it it's one of those uh one of those things where you watch it you go that that you feel like that could work in actual basketball but it certainly would shorten the game a little bit I think there's some people that feel like the final and I'm one of them I think sometimes the final two minutes of a basketball game can become unwatchable where it's just intentional foul, free throw, intentional foul, free throw, or offensively people just play on their heels. Like, so I think, I think this is an attempt to try and solve that. I can't ever see the day where it would infiltrate real basketball. Not real, I'm, I mean, like college basketball, NBA basketball. The NBA's done it for their all-star game, and everybody's enjoyed it. But I think that's what people kind of – there's a novelty aspect to it, but it's just kind of it's 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 hard for me to ever see it get to mainstream basketball. That's just me. We will have uh, much to get to, including the Trev Alberts interview, which we'll play here in just a moment. Before we get to the interview itself, just your initial thoughts on the Trev Alberts hire. It seems to be like those who don't like it either had a grudge against Trev because of UNO or believe it's the not outside the box because he's part of the family and has never been an AD at this level and they could have done better type of thing, and those are the people you'll never make happy. Right. Is that, is that kind of how you see yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I think at the, at the end of the day, sometimes people – we've – I get it. The, the whole, like, hiring within the family and you want it to be a Nebraska guy, some people get – some people get upset about that, but at the end of the day, there there are connections to every job that make certain candidates more attractive than others. And the more I, I liked it, and the more I think about it, I like it even more. Um, to me, he checks a lot of the boxes of what you would want in this next athletic director hire. To me, like he he's someone that I view it as a positive thing that he he's a former player. Uh, I, I think that increases your love and admiration for a place even more. Like, no matter what, I don't care. He can say whatever. 
Bill Moose isn't going to love the University of Nebraska as much as Trev Alberts is. And on some level, I think that makes a, a difference. And, you know, and then the fact that this guy's had 12 years of real concrete experience being an athletic director in a really difficult situation and transitioning UNO into Division One, making some really tough decisions. I actually view those decisions, albeit I get that they're emotional, but the cutting of football and wrestling, like I, I after the fact, I view those things as positive things for his resume in terms of being willing to make the tough decisions. Uh, I, I really, I really, really like the hire. He's he's someone that already has existing relationships with all of the big boosters in the state of Nebraska and all of the right people in the state of Nebraska. So uh, he understands Nebraska, the fan base, the culture, what good football looks like. I mean, it's just funny. Like if you if you just describe something in bullet points, okay? Former Husker legend goes out, gets real experience in his profession and is really and he is successful in doing that and they are successful in doing that but okay so former husker legend goes out acquires a decade's worth of experience is successful in that experience then comes back to nebraska to to bring that experience back and try to raise the 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 football program up a level like, did I just describe Scott Frost, or did I just describe Trev Alberts? To me, you you could describe them the same if you bullet point it. And so it's interesting how one hire it was, was, you know, anointed as just an amazing hire, and the other one is met with some trepidation. I think this one would be looked at much more in a positive light unanimously if the first hire, Scott Frost, you're talking about, went better true right right I mean, th- th- right that makes like, that school of thought probably like well we thought that was good and it turned out it hasn't been so far yeah now we're doing the same thing i also think like too it? in comparing both of those both of them needed to see a change in leadership and the environment needed to be different for them to come back mm-hmm. like scott frost was not going to come back if sean eichhorst was there it took ted carter to be in charge of the system uh, at Nebraska in order for him to come back. And Ronnie Green, obviously, was a huge part of that. And so things had to change and be more palatable for them to return. And now Trev Alberts is in charge. And it was last week that I uh, had a conversation with him, an interview with him, tried to think about what fans would want to ask and steer it as much as I could to football because really that's what this whole thing seems to be about. His success is going to be contingent on uh, the football program success and if he can help in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Here is that interview with Trev, and it started by me uh, just saying hello to Trev. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I I don't know. I I haven't slept. Um, Not really sure where I am. Um, I'm not sure if I'm dreaming or if this is all real. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to ask you about that. Trev, as soon as the news leaked, that you were hired. I texted the phone number I had for you offering congratulations. I immediately got a response that said, wrong number, please don't text me anymore. Um, So I'll say to you now, congratulations. 
I need to get your new number. We'll do that later. But how would you describe the emotions now of leading an athletic department that, as you said, helped achieve everything you've achieved? Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, you know, just incredibly humbling. And, and uh, uh, I think, uh, obviously, uh, you know, you understand the responsibility. There's a lot to learn. Um, but, um, you know, I just, uh, I think, I think the, uh, the former experience as a student athlete, I know it was a long time ago, uh, but just the love and care for the place and, uh, you know, just uh, going to be deeply committed and, and uh, we'll just do everything I possibly can and we'll be willing to pay about any price because, uh, you know, Matt, I, um, that place gave me an opportunity. Uh, a little kid out of Northeast Iowa in the small community, an opportunity to get a world-class education and play football for a guy named Tom Osborne. But, I mean, I couldn't have possibly ever dreamed of having that opportunity and, you know, I, I never knew until I got into administration 12 years ago just how many people uh, had had and were working so hard to make sure that my experience was a good one and were helping me maximize and max out, not just athletically, but academically, socially, spiritually, everything. And so, um, you know, just to have an opportunity to uh, to try to give back like that, work with a really talented group of folks and uh, try to make a difference for young people, it's just uh, incredibly fulfilling. How much did the the emotion of the press conference catch you off guard? Uh, very much so. I, I had uh, I had no idea. I'm not a very emotional person. In fact, my wife was um, wishing she could see more of that occasionally. I guess, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just um, it just really struck me. Uh, you know, when I looked out, uh, of course, I see Coach Osborne, and um, I just uh, I had no no idea that was going to happen and uh, then I was mad at myself and I was concerned I wasn't going to be able to hold it together um, and then my kids are just making fun of me all over text you know look at daddy's up there crying <laughs> but uh, you know and I just again it's um, you know the place is really really special to me and um, I love I, I just I love the University of Nebraska um, I just had such a connection as a student athlete with the fans and with people the way they think, uh, what's important to them. And, and uh, you know, to think that um, after leaving in 1993, I would have the incredible privilege and blessing to be able to, you know, work alongside, you know, I, I was telling the coaches, I mean, I, you're talking about some of the elite, elite people in their professions at the peak of their professional careers. And, and I get to work with them, uh, serve alongside with them. And um, it's just uh, incredibly humbling that. You mentioned in your news conference, Tom Osborne, something he said years ago that has stuck with you, that a life of service would be more fulfilling in the end, and that's why you initially took the job at UNO. Where does that desire to serve come from? Well, that's a great question. Um, I, I can't honestly tell you, Matt, that um, that it was uh, either intuitive or, or part of my plan. Um, you know, uh, the, the reality is back in 2008, uh, when Coach took over uh, down in Lincoln, he had, he had talked to me about getting into a athletic administration at that point. I had never thought about it. I was working at CBS at the time and, and uh, CBS Sports Network and, and um, thought long and hard about it. And then ultimately, for a number of reasons and a variety of factors, um, it just didn't work um, at that point to to, uh, to to go back to the University of Nebraska, 
And you can imagine how difficult that conversation was for me <laughs> uh, because of my relationship with him and, and um, how much he means to me. Um, but at the end of our conversation, he just said those words. And he said, you know, Trev, I, I just want you to think a little bit about, um, and I'd like to give you a little counsel, that uh, you know, a life of service in the end will be more f- fulfilling for you than about anything else you can do. And, you know, he doesn't say a lot, but when he says something, uh, generally it has some pretty significant weight. And I could never get that out of my mind. I couldn't get it. I didn't even know what that meant, Matt. You know, when you're a young person, I'm no different. I get, I get out of college and, you know, you think, well, your job now is just to go out and grind and see how much money you can make <laughs> and uh, support your family. And um, so he really, you know, I started thinking that way. Uh, I went back to CBS and, and worked another year and then... When the UNO job came open, I, I had kind of um, decided that I, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, to sort of see what that meant. Again, I, I can't honestly tell you at that point I knew what what service was about, and, and um, but I I, I I learned very quickly. Uh, again, I, I didn't know what all those people were doing to help me back as a student athlete, and so when I joined UNO in 2009, I uh, you know the light went off for me, and uh, it wasn't about me. It's about serving other people and, and, in fact, young people and helping the next generation and helping them grow and investing in them. And, and uh, not that I still don't have a whole lot to learn, and, and I have mentors. Uh, but, it, you know, it, that, that was kind of a change in philosophy and thinking, and, and it's been a game changer in my life, to be honest with you. Just to confirm, Trev, when you said he talked to you in 08, was that to join the athletic department? What was that? No, no yeah, we were just, we were just t- talking about athletic administration. You know, and, and in general, and and, uh, and and you know, areas of service and those types of things. So nothing specific in that area, but just you know, a changing of, you know, I I I've, I've kept in in very close contact with Coach even you know after I left. Um, you know, I uh, to be totally honest with you, uh, since the day I uh, I left the University of Nebraska, I, I have not made a single major decision. Um, I even prior to being married, but uh, without consulting first my father and secondly Coach Osborne. So, you know, he, he, he's just a, um, a very, very important person in my life, somebody that I have a tremendous amount of confidence and respect in. And, and uh, so, you know, it was part of a, a conversation that we were having more about life and, and uh, his mentoring of me at that point. Trev Alberts, Nebraska Athletic Director, joining us here. As you met with Chancellor Green, President Carter, what did they express to you as some of the things that need to immediately be addressed w- within the athletic department? Well, um, first of all, m- most, uh, if not all, of my interaction was with, with Chancellor Green. And uh, I, I really um, uh, appreciated and, and uh, was interested in getting to know you know, Chancellor Green. So much about athletics and life is about relationships, right? Of course, I knew of him and have watched him from afar, but I didn't know him. So getting to know just kind of what was important to him, what was important, why he was at the University of Nebraska, his passion for, you know, the Big Red and his vision for the future and trying to understand the strategic plan that they've got a five-year strategic plan in place, how does athletics fit. And um, so it was really, you know, um, sort of trying to understand I can tell you, Matt, we, we did not have very specific conversations about here's the problems, go fix it. Um, that, that's not the type of of leaders that um, you know that Ronnie Green is and, and or or Ted Carter. Um, you know, they um, encouraged me to uh, you know to uh, to work hard with a group of uh, talented folks to 
uh, to try to figure out how we can make a positive impact. And, you know, I think sometimes when people, you know, when there's a change in leadership, the assumption is, is that everything is broken. And uh, I just simply don't think that's true. I mean, uh, I think there's a lot of really, really good things uh, that are happening and a lot of really good people. Uh, but, you know, I think we can um, offer, um, you know, a, a little bit of attention to detail and some of the specifics and just the, the overall mechanics. I mean, really what, what interested me this time in the job was when the, when the executive committee and the search committee got together and they created maybe four or five priorities. Um, I think we were really aligned with what I believe in and, and the way we've tried to operate here at UNO. And, um, you know, again, I... Um, you look at football success, basketball success across the country. Uh, you can name every institution you want. The reality is, is there's no magical formula. There's no instant, um, here's what you do. It is just an awful lot of hard work. Uh, it's doing the right thing all the time. And it's just executing the fundamentals of leadership and and, uh, and care for one another. And, you know, I'll never call a play. I've never told a coach who to hire or who to recruit. Um, but I think some of the outside periphery things, you know, we administratively need to do our jobs to ensure that coaches can coach. I mean, they've got industry-specific expertise in coaching and recruiting. They need to be able to do that, and they need to have confidence that administratively um, we're going to be taking care of, of those areas that, uh, that they need to be successful. So it's a long answer. I'm sorry, Matt, but that in a nutshell is uh, kind of some <laughs> things that we, we discussed. No, you've always been a good communicator. Uh, Trev Alberts joining us. I want to shift to football here just for a couple last uh, quick questions, Jaron. I do appreciate your time. One of the attributes that I've heard a lot of people discuss about your leadership qualities is you're a good listener. Uh, you're a good communicator, as we're seeing here. And, and you're also patient. I've heard that word uh, be used to describe you. That being said, how will you balance your patience with the football program, with your passion for its success? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? That's, <laughs> that's a tough one. Learn you know, from I, watching I you, Trev. You, <laughs> well, I, I, I will tell you, I mean, part of my leadership journey is, uh, you know, I, I, I hope and I think I'm a lot better um, leader today than I was in 2009. I certainly hope I'm a lot better leader five years from now than I am right now. But um, I, think, I think, in all honesty, uh, that's an important part of a, a leader's journey is, is not overreacting. I mean, I, I'm a really competitive guy. And, um, you know, it's like anything in life. Um, being competitive is probably one of my chief strengths. And I will also tell you that my competitive nature can also be one of my chief weaknesses. And so I think over time, you're, you know, a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of guidance and mentoring, you, you can um, learn to manage those. I don't want to ever lose that. Uh, at the same time, you know, um, having a broader view of, of what's important and and um, um, having a little bit of patience and wisdom in, in dealing with that, um, I think um, I think will be very beneficial. So there, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I I cannot stand to lose, uh, and it doesn't matter. It's not just football. Um, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna win in tennis, and we're gonna win in women's soccer. You know, it, Nebraska. You know. We didn't. We weren't just trying to win, you know, football games either. I mean, there, there was this broad-based. We're going to win at everything. We have the most academic All-Americans in the country for a reason, because there's a dedicated focus. You don't get to just pick and choose what you're going to try to have excellence in. You know, you either make a commitment to uh, 
you know, compete at the highest level in every single thing of what you're doing. And we do that because we owe it to the student athletes. You know, we look at these young men and young women and their parents and we tell them, if you come to the University of Nebraska, every single component of your uh, experience here, right, uh, we have a plan for, we have people for, we have resources for, and we have a vision for. All you have to do is work. That's what they told me in 1989. And I thought, well, I like to work. So I can max out with my God-given talents and ability if I just do my part. So we got to do our part administratively. Um, and, um, you know, now with the evolving change in the landscape with name, image, and likeness, and other, we've got to have, you know, elite plans around that. And we're going to support these young men and young women so that when they walk out of the University of Nebraska, they look back and say, I was the best volleyball player I could ever be because of the training, the Christian. I was the best student. I was the best. It's up to the students to actually execute that, uh, but we have to have those plans in place. How do you, whether it's football or any other program, how do you evaluate the success of that program? Well, I think, you know, I think it's pretty pretty easy for, uh, you know, and I can be equally uh, um, accused of doing this on the outside to just look at, you know, wins and losses. And I get that. We're, we're, in, we're in the competition business. We get defined by wins and losses. But I think, you know, and, and it's kind of unfair to, I've been, I don't even officially start till Monday. So I've had other people ask me questions about doing evaluation. I'm, I'm not that smart. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that there's a lot of you know, I think I think the fundamentals and mechanics of what we're doing uh, will be very, very important to me. Um, obviously, we're trying to win games, but I think what's really unique about the University of Nebraska is I know everybody's really focused on a, a small window um, of, of success, but the reality is, um, you know, we didn't always win every game uh, when I was playing, uh, but I don't think our fans um, necessarily – uh, we lost games and, and didn't play well, uh, but our fans were pleased because we had a product that represented what are important, uh, the attributes that are important to Nebraskans and our alumni. And so, you know, I, um, you know, what I'm passionate about is having programs that are reflective of the values that Nebraskans hold dear. That's what we have to do. And, and I'm also not suggesting that we don't have programs that exactly operate that way today, including football. So you have to be careful when I say that. But my point is, um, I really want to focus on those types of things. You know, we, we never talked about winning national championships. We never talked about, we just talked about doing the right things and having championship habits. And guess what? When you do that, eventually it turns and the wins, you know, that's an outcome. We get so focused on the outcomes that, you know, um, we don't focus on the you know the mechanics of, of getting the outcomes you want. So, the other thing is, you know, I said this uh, yesterday too, but, you know, when you've had dramatic success in the past, you can sort of, you know, get to the point where you feel like you're almost entitled. Well, we're, we are somebody. We ought to, uh, we're not entitled to success at the University of Nebraska. <laughs> um, you know, there's a whole lot of other schools. Uh, they're on scholarship too. And they've got a unified plan and vision about how they're going, you know, to take a leadership position in the conference or nationally. And so nobody's going to come and find solutions for us. We're going to have to do that ourselves. And the only reason, way we do that is we do it together through hard work and, um, you know, a unified vision and uh, slowly, incrementally uh, growing our uh, our success. The wins will come, uh, but eventually, uh, you know, you have to start first on, on the uh, 
the granular details and mechanics that, frankly, for fans and others really aren't all that exciting to talk about. But those are the things that ultimately get you what we all want. Last question before we get you out of here. Speaking of that, you were part of championship teams. You won three conference titles during your time at Nebraska, and, and the goal is always to compete for championships, something the football program hasn't done and hasn't won in more than 20 years. How do you balance expectations for competing for championships with the reality of how the football landscape has changed over the years and where Nebraska currently sits in that landscape? That's another great question. I think that's part of um, part of what will be interesting to me is uh, there's no doubt that you know the landscape has changed. And I think, uh, quite frankly, uh, um, I think some of the things that are you know, currently um, actually going to be happening and, and are proposed to happen in the future, I think they're going to be very good for Nebraska. Um, you know, I think things like the image, image and likeness, and I think, you know, competitive equity and competitive balance across college athletics is really, really important. Uh, I think expanding, you know, the college football playoff will be a, a wonderful thing. I mean, I listen, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the three or four teams that are always you know, in, in, but I think with some of these possible changes that are happening, I think Nebraska is poised to to benefit from some of that, and so we need to make sure that we have a good vision around that, so so that we actually can indeed, you know, be a participant in the new opportunities. So I think I think part of that um, is part of it, but I, um, you know, I think what you're really looking for is just strong incremental growth. Um, you want to see, you know, building again, you know. <laughs> We look at these programs, and you know, I, I, I watched pretty closely. I spent a lot of time down in Seneca, South Carolina. We own a home there. Been there 17 years, and I've watched Dabo Sweeney uh, at Clemson. Um, you know, people I think just assume that that you know just happened overnight. Uh, people forget that in 2009, Nebraska played Clemson Gear Bowl, and Nebraska won. So you know, there's it, it takes time. There's you know, there's just an absolute commitment a commitment to a culture, and it's an awful lot of hard work. Stability is important, um, and um, so we're going to join that group of, uh, of folks that have a, a very unified vision through a lot of hard work and, and, um, and look forward to competing. Trev, always enjoyed the, uh, the conversations in the past, and uh, I hope we can do this again. Great to catch you up with you, and congratulations, truly. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great talking to you, Matt. All right, so there's 20 minutes with Trev Alberts, and really it was the last couple of answers that he gave that yeah. kind of shed a little bit of light on what he's thinking. He mentioned the phrase, or the word stability. He said, you need stability. So that doesn't sound like someone who's really looking to make a change even after if this season doesn't go well. You have to have stability. Talked about unified front a unified athletic department, all of those types of things, and just getting everyone on the same page. He seemed to be willing to be patient, which is one of the words that a lot of people used to describe him. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. He, you know, you, you asked a bunch of good questions, and Trev even acknowledged a bunch of them because that's that's Trev for you. But but you had some good questions, and you know, the balancing patience with kind of the passion for success at Nebraska, and I think one of the things that he talked about was. The, the important part of leadership and, and a leader's journey is not overreacting and, you know, and kind of managing that competitiveness. And he feels like he's kind of mastered that or mastering that as he gets older. And so, yeah, I, I think he, he played a lot of the greatest hits of those kinds of things. I mean, 
you know, you asked about evaluating success in the program, and I think he was being more uh, process-oriented than results-oriented. But I did think there were little nuggets in there of having a program that is reflective of Nebraska values, having a product that fans are proud of, you know, where he talked about we didn't win when he was at Nebraska, basically said something like, we didn't win every game, but the the fans still could appreciate the product that was on the field even when they weren't necessarily winning championships. And to that I say – that is exactly what I still think the fans are like. Do you agree? Like, I, st- I don't think there are a bunch of crazy fans. I think I think as much as anything, they just want to see that. They want to see the product and see that strong incremental, incremental growth that he even referenced too. But, yeah, I, I thought those kind of were a few nuggets that were that stood out to me. Yeah, when he talked about how we never talked about winning national championships, we talked about – having championship habits, right? right? Th- those little things. And it's, it's the little things that have negatively impacted this program. We've talked about it time and again. Like, they are hamstrung because of the mistakes that they consistently make. When he said, we didn't win every game and we didn't play well every game, but the fans applauded and, and were proud of the product, that doesn't mean it was error-free. It just means they could tell the foundation was there and those errors were not in the DNA of the program. They just, sometimes things happen. Sometimes you lose games. Sometimes you have a bad game. You didn't have bad seasons. You know, you didn't have shoot yourself in the foot time and again. You didn't have consistent false starts to set yourself up at first and 15. With zero people in the stadium, by the way, last year. A false start with zero human beings in the stadium. Great point. You didn't blame the opposing sideline for your mistakes. Like those types of things that Nebraska fans have unfortunately grown accustomed to, that's what they're frustrated with. And I think if you read between the lines of what Trev was saying there, it's the little things and those little habits and the way you go about your business. Bo Pelini, we always used to joke about it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. And and how Nebraska goes about its business is going to go a long way in determining whether or not they can actually be good in this business. We we talked about it all the time during the Bo Pelini era, and we even say it now because you can fill in any record and it works. Not all nine and three seasons are created equal, just like not all six and six or five and seven seasons are created equal. Well, if that's true, you can expand that beyond it and say not all 12 and 20 records are created equal. I sincerely believe if Nebraska was, let's say it's the same record, and in the 20 losses, it wasn't a lot of the same stuff, right? Undisciplined, not organized, all the stuff that you laid out that I don't need to point out, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. If those things weren't as abundant and and showing up all the time, I really think the vibe would be different around the program. I really sincerely believe that. So yes, on some level, it is a bottom line business and it's about wins and losses. But I also think that there is a how it's done and what it looks like element that I think if you listen to Trev, there were little there were there were little droplets of of kind of hinting at that stuff that, you know, certainly isn't isn't, you know, 
breaking news stuff, but it's nevertheless, it's interesting to hear him kind of hint at it too. Yeah, talking about the granular details and the mechanics of winning and the mechanics that go on behind the scenes that he even says fans probably wouldn't find that exciting. But it's every, it's like, you know, championships are one in the weight room, right? Like fans see three hours on a Saturday. Right. It is every other hour and minute during the week that's going to impact what you see on that Saturday. Right. And those are the things that probably need to change or be refined. I also liked, and actually because I wrote it down, because I was taking notes as I was listening to the interview, and I wrote it down and I, I circled it. Because I, I, I think it's important to always say out loud, because I, I think it's interesting, especially come from him. The fact that he said, Nebraska is not entitled to success. Nebraska is not entitled to success. And while I think some of that entitlement has dissipated as the years, or I should say years become decades in between championships, where there was an entitlement element to this program that, listen, I'll raise my hand as a Nebraskan and a fan of the program. I, I, I had a sense of entitlement. Like, this is Nebraska. Come on, give me a break. I do think it's important sometimes to the first step to improvement is being real with what who you are right now. And I think it's important for the, the highest of high leaders to be real with where they are in this moment. And I, so I love that. Nebraska, is, they're, they're not entitled to success. I, I think it's important to kind of repeat that to yourself as a fan and as an AD. Yeah, everyone else is on scholarship too. Yep. Everyone, all the other teams have scholarship players. Everyone's working hard and we need to do that as well yeah I remember being on the sidelines of games when there was a coaching change and you know you'd have Barney Cotton on the sideline shouting at his offensive line I remember being right behind the bench and him yelling this is Nebraska right and you know he played there and he coached there that's the kind of mentality Nebraska fans and Nebraska coaches in the past have had this is Nebraska this doesn't happen at Nebraska that statement is fairly loaded in Hey, this isn't who we are. Well, it is who you are because, like Trev says, it's not handed to you. It's hard to stay on top. It's hard to keep things going, as other programs have found out. Nebraska stayed on top for a very long time. The journey back has been anything but smooth, and I I liked how he acknowledged the changing landscape of college football and said, yeah, I've, I've thought about that. It's it's true, and it'll be interesting to see he mentioned NIL, and he mentioned playoff expansion. And in mentioning those things without me asking it, he, on top of that, said we need to be poised to benefit from those opportunities, whether that's NIL or the expanded playoff. We need right. to position ourselves and be poised to take advantage of that. And there's, there's a lot of truth in those statements. And he – go ahead. The, the thing I wanted to ask you is the the elephant in the room of how, how do you see this hire impacting the state of the football program, impacting Frost, impacting this season? Like, is Trev's arrival good? Is, like, for, for Frost, is it... But like I guess, how do you see that? I don't want to. I don't want to like lead yeah. lead you down. That well, way. it's funny because one of the questions I wanted to ask Trev that I chose not to ask because he kind of alluded to it, talking about improving things on the periphery of the program. One of the questions I had that I, in retrospect, I wish I had asked was, 
you are going to be you're, you're going to be tied with the football program because you played there and the state identifies itself with it. That being said, how does an athletic director help the football program? How how do right. you do that? And I didn't ask it because I anticipated, well, coaches want to coach and whatever I can do on the outside to minimize distraction and to allow them to do their job and make things easier, I am going to do. I think it helps to have a football mind with the football program in terms of taking care of, like, if Scott Frost is going to sit in his office, I would imagine, very soon. He starts on Monday. Going to sit in his office and Trev like he should with every coach and probably does, say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What do you need? And Scott will probably have a few things that maybe he didn't have or things that he's seen that have helped programs become successful, whether that's helping in recruiting in, in travel or whether that's, you know, things that he has had to do that he doesn't want to have to do so that he can focus on improving the team where maybe Trev can run some interference on some things. I, I don't know. But so to answer your question, I think it helps. I think it undoubtedly helps. It would be different if you brought in a guy that had no relation to Nebraska and now you're a little concerned. Okay, what does this mean for Frost? Is he going to be looking over his shoulder? Is this like, you know, Tom Osborne when he was brought right. in? You knew Bill Callahan was done. Or, or right? like if this would have been because clearly Nebraska did kick the tires around Jamie Pollard. If Jamie Pollard is the new AD, I think this situation is different for Frost in this season, because I do believe, I mean, this is just my opinion. I obviously, obviously, I don't know this to be true, but I'd have to imagine that the state of the football program and the fact that it's Scott Frost leading the football program, let's be honest, complicates how candidates and athletic director candidates would, would view taking that job, right? Like, yeah, I remember when I was on vacation, Nick, and, and we did that emergency quote-unquote yeah. pod or at least hopped on real quick to to talk about Bill Moose, and we talked about that, that an athletic director coming in would have to be – you would just hope it would be obvious if you had to fire Scott Frost. That's right. right. Because the last thing you want is a fractured fan base, and you might never come back from that if it's like, well, should we, should we, should we not, and they do it. And that's why I think this is another reason why I think Trev is uniquely equipped to handle that turbulence to the good or to the bad. Meaning, I think he's one of the few guys that could stand in front of a podium or stand in front of the media and say, we needed to make a change. We needed to part ways with Frost, right? Like, He's one of the few guys that has the same rock star, former Husker legend cachet that he could navigate that a little bit more so than an outsider coming in and saying that. And unlike an outsider, Trev Alberts doesn't want to do that. No. He does. It's not like so you're a, not question his motives, right? Like if Pollard would do it, you'd be like, you you just want to come in and shake things up, and you wanted it to be, you want to make your own hire, you want it to be your guy, right? Right? Like we always say, like a GM at a radio station, you want it, <laughs> you want your guys, your shows in place, right. and leave your mark. Trev Alberts has left his mark on this program, right? The last thing he wants to do is screw that up. Right. He is a beloved figure. He doesn't have to worry about that unless, like he said, 
his competitive nature becomes one of his weaknesses. He said, it's a strength, it's a weakness, we do need to be patient. And the fact that he mentioned stability, and he mentioned it a couple of times, and the fact that he mentions Dabo Sweeney, where he said, look, remember that Gator Bowl? I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Like, I didn't think about that. He mentions it right off the tip of his tongue. He goes, remember that Gator Bowl? Nebraska won that game. Right. And he said, Dabo and Clemson, I've lived in Seneca, South Carolina for, what, 15-plus years, he said. That didn't happen overnight. It takes time. Even in a great footprint like South Carolina, it takes time. And he played for a coach that stood the test of time and had to go through not necessarily lean years, but there were times where it's like, okay, is Osborne going to, you know, is he beating Oklahoma? Is he doing Mm -hmm. enough? Is he winning national title? All those types of things where the standard was a little bit higher, but he was there for, what, 25 years. And so you you know that stability means something. You just need to make sure it's the right guy there for the long haul, and that's why you just need to see incremental steps. You don't need to see 10 wins this season. You don't need to see nine wins. You may not even need to see eight wins, but you need to see a better product. You could be a better team and have a similar record. You could have a better team and have a worse record, but it's going to be obvious to the naked eye. Yeah, and and I, I just so I think I think Trev is equipped to handle the turbulence if things get rocky to make a change or to say, guys, trust me, he's doing the right things. Things are going in the right direction. Like I think he can also paint that picture as well. And I actually like. I was thinking about this. Over, over the weekend. The other thing that those two guys, Trev and, and Frost, can do is when they sit down and talk, they're cut from the same cloth. They didn't play together, but they, they were in the same culture, program, standard level of success, right? On some level... Frost isn't trying to recreate 1997, just like Trev isn't necessarily trying to recreate 1993, but they're trying to recreate the portable things from 1993 and 1997 that can apply to today. And I think it's important for guys to be on the same page when they're discussing that. And I liken it to, so there's a Creighton assistant coach right now. His name's Al Huss. Al Huss played for Dana Altman. But I didn't play with Huss. Huss was four or five years before me. But when when Al Huss and I sit and talk about how, what good basketball looks like, or the you know just we speak the same language, I completely understand what Al Huss is trying to do, what he says, what he's looking for, because we blood, sweat, and tears in the same thing. And I think that I think that is exactly what's going to happen between Trev and Frost. And I think that is also a really, really positive thing where you get two dudes now trying to pull everything in the same direction. It's so unique when you say it out loud that the head football coach at Nebraska and the athletic director at Nebraska both played for the same man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a triangle. Yes. Right. They're both at the base. Osborne's at the top. They connect. Mm-hmm. All three of them want the same thing. All three of them know what it feels like. All three of them talk to each other. You heard in that interview, Trev talks to Osborne all the time. Yep. I would imagine Frost is talking to Osborne. Those relationships matter. 
and that's why it just feels like this is more of a, all right, here's another person in Trev to help pull this thing in the totally same direction and get, and get going. Yes, because Compl- I also think that'll help. Tre- We're talking about the good of it, you know, and, and, and getting it right, but I think it'll also help Trev I- be able to evaluate, right? Because he will know what maybe Frost is trying to do and say, you're not even close, pal. Like, you're, you're, you're not even close to what you're trying. I know what you're trying to do because we both did it, right? Like, and right. you're not even close. And the difference, too, Trev Alvarez played for this program, but he hasn't managed. He hasn't had to oversee a football program in 10 years. Right. Right. So uh, the day-to-day operations and all that, it's just going to be so interesting to track this. I do want to go back to a couple of things there in that interview. Like you said, there's not like he warms your heart. Does yeah. he not like, like when he, when you start an interview, you say hello to Trev, you haven't talked to him probably in eight or nine years. And he gives you the Matt, How you doing, buddy? I mean, that's oh, just, man, it just oh, makes you mad. How you doing, buddy? You know? that's good. Um, you did say he does say you had a good question. He did. Let's let's see. You know, it's a really good question, and I've thought a lot about that. I've been asked that a couple times. Okay, that was nine years ago, the la- ten years ago, the last time we interviewed him. Uh, let's see what we got here. Well, that's a great question. Okay, so that was yeah during this interview. Um, that's another great question. Okay. Here's another one. How about this one though? This wow, is- you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> that hold on. If if that might be. I have the checkmate trump card I win Brandon Godden reaction to my question. You finally have something that that can compete a little. All right, bit. let's see. This is Brandon Godden, formerly the voice of the Butler Bulldogs, now a voice of national sports and the voice of Madden video of uh, the Madden video game. Uh, here is Brandon Godden saluting one of your questions. I think that is a fantastic question and one that I have yet to be asked in all these interviews. Okay. Uh this is that that's fairly monotone. Here's Trev after one of my questions. Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> Yours is cooler. Your yours is cooler. I've actually, I mean, I've gotten to know Brandon Godden. I've called a bunch of games with him. I love the guy, but Brandon Godden does sound a little bit like he's like, like he's got a pocket protector. He's got right. he, he's got glasses and tape on the rims of his glasses. Like he kind of sounds like that. Trev sounds cool. Yeah, Brandon is. You are my buddy, and you and I are going to hang out and have applesauce together, and then maybe some string cheese. I think that is a fantastic question, and one that I have yet to be asked in all these interviews. Whereas Trev Alvarez is like, he's got a a toothpick in his mouth, a cowboy hat on. He's just blown three people away in the saloon. He goes, <laughs> "You're pretty good, aren't you?" Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, what a perfect, what a perfect scene you painted. A saloon, Trev Alberts in a Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? Oh, man. Someone just slid down a beverage for him on the, oh, on the bar. After he, after he blew a couple people away and then someone <laughs> asked him a question or something like that. I mean, it was like a Clint Eastwood scene. Oh, that was good. Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? I never thought I would see the day where you would have something that could even compete with my Brandon Godden. But 
it's gonna be a tough one, especially because it's Trev. Yeah, you know, yeah, had to be that had to be a part. Put of it, it on a um, poll. Who has the better? Okay. Who has the better question response? Brandon All Godden, right. Trev Alberts. Look, put we put poll. these polls up there, and people like to answer them before they listen to the show. I understand the eagerness of it because it's Twitter. Just be patient, okay? Just be patient. You know, scroll through and, and answer It'll them. Make sense Go eventually. back, to it. right? It'll make sense eventually. All right, let's take a quick time out from this award-winning podcast and award-winning interview uh, with with Trev Alberts to tell you about the beanery. And I guess, first of all, I just want to express that it's not just coffee, but they have all the drinks. All the sports. Lattes, mochas, cappuccinos, tea, smoothies. It's hot in a mug out there. And Paul understands that sometimes you need your coffee iced. You're listening to Mark Jackson and his read for the beanery. Okay, I don't know if Mark Jackson is getting compensated for this or not, but here's a, here's a question for you. Do you know, like, all of the things that the beanery offers? Do you know that? You know, it's a really good question, and I've thought a lot about that. I've been asked that a couple times. Yeah, I don't know if Trev's been asked that a couple of times or not, but there's so much on the menu. I would invite you to go to thebeanerycoffee.com. And also, did you know that there is a coffee truck that the beanery offers? Well, that's a great question. Okay. Well, all it takes is a yes or no, whether or not you knew it. Go to thebeanerycoffee.com, and you can click on Coffee Truck, and you can figure out how to get them to come to you. Info at thebeanery.com is a way to uh, contact them and do it, and they have pictures of it as well. And a final question for you. Did you know that the beanery offers the Schick and Nick drink. Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Calm down, Trev. And Paul is pretty good at making Paul's pretty good at making coffee, isn't he? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> when you take a drink of coffee, you're going to say, wow, you're pretty good at making coffee, aren't you? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? At the beanery, if you happen to get a smoothie, you're going to take a drink of that smoothie and you're going to say, wow, you're pretty good at making smoothies, aren't you? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? <laughs> so check out Paul and the Beanery at either of those locations. It is in Gretna, in Ashland, in Papillion. I saw the line when they had a bunch of... <laughs> they had a... <laughs> The power was out after that storm, and people were tweeting out the picture of the beaner. There was a long line there because, obviously, people's coffee makers were shot. They couldn't get anything, and they said, where am I going to get this coffee? Well, that's a great question. And it was a great question. They figured it out. The beanery's there when you need them. It's the beanery surfing people coffee. Real quick before we we sign off, yeah, can I give a quick shout-out to Josh with Triple B Printing? Because Josh and I ran into each other earlier this week. So, funny story about that. Got a text from Mr. Triple B Printing saying, I essentially just, I was playing golf about an hour from here and ran into Nick Ball. I flew into Omaha to go play a golf course not far from there. It's about a drive, about an hour drive out of the airport, a private airport in Omaha, a place called Sand Hills. Sand Hills. Sand Hills. Sand Hills. Sand Hills. Love the echo. No, so, yes, I run into Triple B Printing 
in the pro shop of the Sandhills. I am looking at the hats. Just I'm looking at the hats, and all of a sudden, behind me, someone says about a drive, about an hour drive, and I turn around. I'm like, no way, right? Because people got to understand the Sand Hill, the Sand Hills is not about a drive, about an hour drive at a private airport in Omaha. It is in Mullen, Nebraska, in the middle of nowhere. You basically get you, your cell service is non-existent outside of a few pockets on the course. Like you were in the middle of nowhere. And I turn around and it's triple B printing, and I just couldn't. I was so I wanted to give a quick shout out to it's great to and, to that interaction. And please go to triple B printing. Uh, and there's a Schick and Nick tab there. We don't mention this enough. I go know. on the left hand side. There's a tab there. Uh, the Schick and Nick tab, and there's a bunch of shirts there that you could buy, different sizes. I think they have youth sizes as well, a bunch of show drops and sayings. Go ahead and, and check those out. But the fact that he had that there, – there was another guy. I saw this uh, on Twitter on Sunday. A guy, uh, Sean Grant, big shout-out and a high-five to Sean Grant. But we need to give a shout-out and a high-five to the guys that were humping the cotton candy. Uh, who – tweeted out ending the Omaha try uh, triathlon the same way as the show going to need a yes and a yeah and he tweets at us he's wearing the hap 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 happy about that shirt from right. triple b printing with his triathlon medal i'm not hap 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 happy about that i mean what you choose to wear as you as you run in a triathlon like i would know <laughs> but that's a big deal, you know? And the fact that he went with... I'm not hap, 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 happy about that. It's a great choice. Makes you feel good. It and does. I'm glad, I'm glad that he did that. And uh, thank you very much. I do want to mention this, too. Uh, I'm neglected, too, and I forgot to mention this last week. So I was in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. You and I did that in person. And for our last night there in Lincoln... Like, we got to go to Laszlo's, right? We have to go to Laszlo's. It is the fries and fries the be, honey mustard yeah, be and just. Thing. Yeah, they be doing their thing. Mm, for that chicken wing. They would. Mm-hmm. And, and that burger and that chicken voodoo. Okay. So we're sitting there in the in the bar area. We had a table. So it's me and my f- four kids Scott and Kelly. Frost, Alex Gordon, and, Eric Crouch. Just the huge. The usual guys we go to Laszlo's with. Jake Muehlheisen. <laughs> Who, by the way, the last time we were in Laszlo's two summers ago, or maybe it was last summer, I saw Jake and his family. Went and Kelly and I sat next to him just no. to say, "Hey, how are you, Jake?" Because oh. it was my wife Kelly who said, "Isn't that Jake?" And I go, "No, oh. uh, yeah, you're right." Yeah. So God, you know, you see people. It's at, the at, biggest at, little uh, city in the world, isn't it? It is. So anyway, we're sitting there and we're uh, eating food. And we had a couple of beverages and we're hanging out there. And I got my back turned to the other people in the bar. Uh, area and so hanging out and this is off right off of highway two and and then I see two figures come up behind me to the left okay. and the and I turn and and they said excuse me and these girls I can't recall their ages maybe twelve and nine or ten and seven I'm sorry I can't remember the ages but I do remember their names because they said are you Matt Schick and I said no, get out of here! No. <laughs> no, I said, well, yes, I am. And they said, hi. And I said, what's your name? And it was uh, Hannah and Avery Heinrich, who I met. They are some young fans of the show. They, love, they said, we love the podcast. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, thank you so much. So I got up, went over to the table, met the, their dad and their, and their mom. Great family. They were just about to leave, but they said, uh, the, the girls noticed you when you walked in, and they've been talking about here at the table. I had no idea. Kelly said, yeah, I could kind of tell they were looking over here, but I didn't know. And, you know, I, I don't live in Nebraska. I'm not – something like that's pretty unique, right? Yes. So, so I start engaging with them, and I said, hey, what do you like about the podcast? And that's like asking, like, what do you like about being outside? It's like, Everything. I like it. It's it's fun, I right? Like that's it. what fun. you expect them. I like it. Yes. <laughs> I like it. It's it's fun. That's what you expect them to say. And they kind of look at each other and they're laughing. I said, I just went to the trump card. I go, you like Nick's laugh? And they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they laughed a little bit. So we talked about the show, talked about the podcast. And I said, what are your names? Got their names. I said, I'm going to mention you on the next pod. The next pod was last week, so you I forgot. Blew it, dude. <laughs> so you I had, blew it. You had, a, you had people disappointed in you. Oh, trust me. I've thought about this for last week. Uh, I've thought about Avery. this a lot. I, Hannah and Avery, trust me when I tell you that there's, there's no question that when it comes to the last week, I love when you buy time. I love how you buy time to get a drop. So good. <laughs> uh, when it comes to last week, Avery and Hannah. I've thought about this a lot. And, and I'm glad we could finally uh, do this. So thank you very much for listening. And hey. we we always skewed younger, right? We did. We I know we're huge. Younger. We're huge with the, with, the, with the kids, you know. Get them young. Hopefully they'll be pod listeners for life now. But... Uh, <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you've you can glad you probably didn't Gladstone this, but I heard this listening to Unsportsmanlike Conduct with with our pals John and Josh. Did you hear Ronnie Green say Indomitian Sue? You need to go. No. Yeah, you need to go find it. We we don't have to do it okay. now. We can this we can okay. tease it for next week. But the way Ronnie Green dropped Indomitian Sue sounded hysterical. Okay. All right, I'm going to find that for next week. Um, I'm, I'm already looking forward to next week's podcast. Mm-hmm. By the way, why are we skewing so young? Because we play things like this. Giannis, this was the second game in a row. You went out early in the first quarter. I'm just curious what was going on there. I wanted to, uh, what the hell you guys say politely? I wanted to take a, a tinkle. A, a tinkle? Yeah, yeah. I went to take a tinkle and came back. Yeah. That's it. That's is that's polite, right? Yeah, yeah. Tinkle is polite. Yeah. <laughs> Both games. I went to take a tinkle and went back. I don't even know where to go from here. I don't know. I think you just go and take a tinkle. I think that's where you go. Do you from say here. tinkle? I had to take a tinkle. Def- that's polite, right? A tinkle? Yeah, yeah. I went to take a tinkle and came back. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, uh, what the hell you guys say politely? I wanted to take a, a tinkle. <laughs> I'm amazed. That's not even necessarily the most, like, well, there's a lot of slang words for going pee-pee. Tinkle is right. pretty far down the list. It's interesting that as Giannis has been in America for not even a decade, that he absorbed tinkle as the one slang word for going pee. 
you know, you can tell he's not hanging out with his teammates much, right? Like he's <laughs> he's doing his own thing. He's big with the kids. He loves the youth of Milwaukee. Oh yeah. He's hanging out, does his own thing, and he. I think cool. <laughs> he's he, going. He, I can. I'm just picturing him going to like a Milwaukee area elementary school his rookie year, and he heard like the kindergarten class and first graders talking about Tinkle, and he just he he. Not, I mean, think about being in a different country. You just be like, okay, well, that's apparently. Let me remember that. Okay, Tinkle is the more appropriate way. That's what that's what I'm envisioning yeah. happened here. What would be the other way to say that? Where it's not like, what do you say? I had to use the restroom. I had yeah. to. I had to. Go to the bathroom. Get I had to relieve myself. Like, there's really right. no delicate way to say it. I think if you go to the very bottom, it's <laughs> pun intended. It's go potty. Yeah, and then tinkles right above potty. Potty to me would be the most kiddie. The most yeah, like tame the most kiddish. Right. right. Agree. Agree. There is there is something I love about. I mean, Giannis is. I mean, he's called the Greek freak. This massive, enormous, ripped, just tear down the rim individual and he's and it's just hysterical to then juxtapose all that with a tinkle a tinkle i'm gonna take this alley-oop from drew holiday and i'm gonna slam it on you and then i'm gonna take a, a tinkle <laughs> i'm gonna hedge this ball screen and recover on this lob to deandre ayton block it and then I'm gonna go. I think we'll That's exactly it. Which, hey, I, I didn't want to bury the lead here. I saw Space Jam Friday night. Oh, okay. Is it getting? Cru- I mean, help me out. Look, HBO, help a brother look, out. I did not see the original Space Jam till last year. Okay, full disclosure. Okay, it had been a while. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You I'd lied to me for like three years. Show. I would bring up Space Jam and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, Red Bug Bunny. I'd I mean, seen clips. I'd seen. I hadn't sat down. Not the gist of it. Maybe I had, and I just don't remember it because it wasn't that great. I'm sorry I said that. How dare you. This Space Jam, I actually found it to be mildly entertaining. And for those who are panning Space Jam, okay, like New York Post saying it's an abomination. And I'm not... I'm not the biggest LeBron guy. I like him. I appreciate him, but I'm not hanging banners and posters and all this stuff. I'm not, you know, retired, having his jersey behind me like you. That's not true. But I got the dream team, but, dog. You see it? No, I'm holding right. it up for you in the Zoom. That's right. Yeah, go to it's Jordan right and Magic there, and Bird and Stockton. And, uh, yeah, you got it all. Mullins. And so Mullins. we had me, Scotty, Mullins. But for those who are panning it, like the New York Post said, it's an abomination. My counter to that is when you order Kraft macaroni and cheese, (laughs) are you going to write a review about how it didn't have the artistic flavor and it lacked a lot of essential ingredients and the garnish wasn't great? Are you going to go, I ordered Kraft mac and cheese and this is what it was? Perfect. I I was going to try to load up something to add on to it, but that is the perfect analogy. It's the perfect analogy. It drives me nuts when movie when there's movie critics that'll like they'll be reviewing Ace Ventura or something like that, and they'll you know quite frankly the plot and character development severely like it's like oh my god he's a pet detective like come on right like this is Space Jam just like it's Kraft yeah. Mac and Cheese this isn't a bone in ribeye from Ruth Chris okay like. Come on. 
It's Looney Tunes and LeBron. It's for kids <laughs> yeah. with some carrots for the adults and carrots pun intended with bugs. Like it's just it's there for you. It's okay. I thought it was enjoyable. The kids liked That's it. That's it. Did the kids, the kids like kids it? Enjoy that LeBron. would be the big thing. Yes. Did the kids like it? They need to have Remember there were Sports Illustrated for kids. They need to have like mo- movies that are for kids reviewed by kids. That's what needs to happen. There needs to be yes. A little like ten year old that if he comes out of Space Jam, and you know he's like, I would take that script and I would take a tinkle on it. A tinkle. Then we got a problem. It's like some sophisticated music critic analyzing and critiquing kids' bop. (laughs) Like, I mean, what are we doing here? Get out of here! It's Space Jam. It's fine. There's some self-deprecating humor in it. There's even a line where he or somebody says they're going to have to go back to their boring lives. Yeah, like right, that's right. that's a throwback that's to one throwback. of the, the yeah. lines he, he lost, said and got criticized. Yeah, he lost for in the it. 2011 finals or 2000, yeah. yeah, 2011 to Dirk and them. But yeah, okay, yeah. good. Anyway, I, I'm, I mean, so I'm, I'm going to want to go. I'll watch. I'll watch it at some point. But yeah, I've read these. I've I've seen the headlines. Some of these reviews. I'm like, oh god, give me a break. Yeah, just get out of here. All right, we got to get out of here. Is this has been fun, and uh, gosh, the show has uh, been going on so long. We got to take a uh, take a tinkle. I'm not happy about that. Sick and Nick, yeah. Sick and Nick, yeah. Sick and Nick show, yeah. Here we go. Sick, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? Yeah. That's another great question.